um, just in reading about uh, when when uh, Solomon was dedicating the temple, right? So you remember David uh, set aside a bunch of materials, you know, gold and silver and things for the construction of the temple. Uh, but uh, the Lord constrained David to not be able to do the construction of the temple. He wanted Solomon to do it. Uh, and so Solomon completed the construction of the temple. And so uh, as he's praying, they're dedicating the temple here. And this is in First Kings chapter 8. So they're dedicating the temple. And uh, Solomon is praying. And so uh, this is just one part of the prayer. He says, also concerning the foreigner who is not of your people when he comes from a far country for your name's sake. Uh, and so... You know, we can ap apply this from the church's perspective of anybody who's not part of the church, right? So not just, uh, this is not, you don't have to just limit it to the Old Testament, but really anybody who's not part of the church. And that's, that's the part that I think is important for us to look at. So he said, when a foreigner comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards this house. Hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls, calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name to fear you and to do your people Israel uh, uh, as do your people Israel that I may know that this house which I have built is called by your name. And I was just thinking about that, that those particular verses there about these people that are coming out from outside the nation of Israel to come into the nation of Israel because they have heard of the Lord's great name his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. Well, you know, that, that is, if you go to the New Testament, that is the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission is for the church to, to, uh, to show the greatness of God, to live in the greatness of God, to show that God still has a, has a strong and mighty hand and an outstretched arm uh, and has a great name, and to show the world of that. And when they do that, they're going to come because they hear of his great name. And the, and you know, uh, so much of the time we in the church have gotten focused on trickery and trying to convince people, intellectual arguments, trying to get people to come into the church. But if we would just show the world the, the mighty hand of God, they'll come because that's what they said. They're going to come because they hear of your name. They hear of your great name. They hear of your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm. And if we in the church and then we don't we have access to the mighty hand of God. You know, we're children of the Most High God. We have access to the mighty hand of God, amen, to heal, to deliver, to protect, to redeem, to prosper. Uh, all of those things are part of the outstretched and mighty hand of God, amen. Is he still doing these things? He's still doing these things today. Uh, and so uh, if we would do that, he said they're going to come. Uh, and so I just, you know, I just thought it was, there was an encouraging verse there. That's uh, 1 Kings 8, uh, verses 41 through 43. Just uh, a few verses there, but, it, you know, this is Old Testament. Uh, and, you know, uh, even it's interesting because the Jews were not really welcoming, you know, to people. But right here, Solomon is saying that, hey, people from outside the nation of Israel, non-Jewish people will be coming into the nation of Israel because of the greatness of God. Well, has anything changed? Is God still great? Is he still a mighty hand? Is he still, uh, has he withheld his mighty hand from his people? Aren't we even more his people than a nation of Israel? Because we're his children, right? They were his chosen people, but we're his children. Surely the Lord will, will, will uh, uh, reach his outstretched arm towards us. Amen. Uh, and so, so I think that just that was just a, a good uh, verse there because the, the people, the world should hear of the greatness of God. Amen. Hey, we hear that God is delivering it over there. We hear that God is healing over in that, that church. 
we hear that God is moving in a mighty way among his people. And even in a town like Dayton, Tennessee, right? Uh, there's no reason, you know, Dayton, Tennessee, there's no reason why God can't move in a mighty way. Dayton, Tennessee, doesn't matter how big or small the city is. Israel was, a, as far as countries go, was a tiny little country. Amen. It was not a, a massive country at all. Uh, and so, uh, so is, does the Lord have a great name? Does he have a mighty hand? Does he have a, a, an outstretched arm towards his people? He does. Amen. And nothing's changed. Amen. So uh, let's, uh, in, let's uh, look for that. Amen. Let's allow the Lord to operate that way. And the, and the world will hear uh, of the church, amen, uh, and will come into the church just to see uh, what's going on. And then Solomon went on and talked about what the Lord, what he wants the Lord to do for those people after they arrive, amen. So let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Name above all they will hear that we've heard that in that church, Father, there is a great name in, in operation. Oh, yes. We've come to see the operation of the great name. Father, you've always desired to show the world your greatness. To show the world, Father, that your hand is great and mighty and strong, Father. Father, your church is the carriers of your great name. We carry the great name in everywhere we go, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that great and mighty name. For that strong hand, Father. Your outstretched arm, Father, towards your people. Thank you, Father. You still heal and deliver, Father. Protect and provide. Father, you're the great God of Israel, but you're the great God of the earth as well, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the name of Jesus, that name, Father, that's above every name. Father, it's above sickness and disease, Father, and poverty and lack. It's above every enemy, Father. It's above every devil and demon, Father, who chooses to, to attack the church, Father. Father, that great name is above depression and sadness, Father, and overwhelming thoughts, Father, of, of... Thank you, Father. Overwhelming thoughts, Father, even of suicide. That great name, Father, is above all of those names. That great name, Father, it's above all mental anguish and anxiety, Father, and worry and frets, Father. That great name, your name, Father, is great and greatly to be praised. We choose to worship you, Father. We choose to worship the Lord Jesus. We choose to thank you, Father, for that great name. And Father, you gave us access to your name. You said, in my name, the church shall cast out devils. In my name, Father, they shall speak in new tongues. In my name, Father, they shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Father, that name is still as powerful today, today as it was when Jesus walked on the earth. And Father, in fact, in many ways, it's even greater because it's spread throughout the whole world, Father. That name is no longer limited to a small country, Father. That name, Father, is available to every believer around the world. Father, to, to continue the work of the Lord Jesus. You said that he came to destroy the works of the enemy, Father. The church's business is to continue the work of the Lord Jesus and to continue to destroy the works of the enemy. Father, we destroy the works of the enemy by bringing people into the kingdom of heaven to cause them to receive you as, as, the Lord, as their Lord and Savior 
and to set their eternal destiny in heaven. Father, we destroy the works of the enemy by casting out devils. Father, laying hands on the sick, Father, and seeing them recover. Father, we destroy the works of the devil by casting down vain imaginations, Father, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you. Father, we continue your work, Father, by showing people the path to heaven. To show them, Lord, that you are good and that your mercy endures forever. Father, that's the work of the Lord Jesus. That's the continuing work of his body in the earth. We are the body of the Lord Jesus. What he did on the earth is what we are to continue to do today. Thank you, Father, for that great name. Thank you, Father, for the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them all, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. He's good all the time. We appreciate his goodness and kindness and mercy towards us. Amen. You know, if the church could, could ever fully embrace and understand the plan of the Lord Jesus, which is to uh, show the world, you know, he said, let your light so shine that men shall see your good works. Amen. Well, part of the good works is to accept the blessings of heaven, amen, in the sense of all of the, the, uh, the name of Jesus, the power of God that we have the right to operate in, amen. And um, uh, if, we could, if we could show them that, if we could show the world that, yes, God is still alive, he still desires to protect and to heal and to redeem and to uh, recover your life and to, uh, I mean, how many times did Jesus say that your joy may be full? You know, the church, the church ought to be people full of joy. Amen. Yes. You know, joy is, is love, joy, peace. It's one of the, the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, and uh, the, the church ought to be people full of joy. Amen. And, uh, you know, some people I've known for years, they've never got the memo. It's okay to, to be full of joy. Amen. And they think, you, uh, they think when you get into the church that uh, somehow you, you have to, I mean, I, the Bible does say be sober, but it doesn't mean say being dull. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you can be sober and still full of joy. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, praise God. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of, of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll continue there today. We've been uh, studying the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and um, Jesus had a lot, lot to say. And um, uh, I think this is, one, is, a, is such an important uh, message that Jesus taught here uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, that's the Sermon on the Mount, because he, he's really... Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, movies will put out these trailers, right? Uh, here's this movie that's coming. Uh, and so, but you have to wait till the movie gets there to actually see the movie. Uh, this is kind of a, a trailer of what's to come. So a lot of things that Jesus is teaching in here, the people that he's telling them can't actually do these things, right? We're here uh, down to uh, uh, verse 43, where he talks about loving your enemies with the agape love of God. Well, the people at that time were unable to do that. They didn't have the love of God shed abroad in their hearts. Romans 5, 5 tells us as the church that we have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Amen. You have the agape love of God in you right now. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus, everywhere you go, you have agape love, the God kind of love, the love that allowed God for God so loved the world that he sent his own son, right? The Lord Jesus. <clears throat> that love that, that motivated him to do that lives inside of you. You know, if you, if you 
think about, you know, I have to give up my child for somebody. <clears throat> yeah, I, you know, just me personally, I, I, I don't know that I could do that. Uh, you know, if someone said, hey, you got to give up your eldest or your youngest, you know, uh, any one of the three uh, for my benefit, for somebody else's benefit, um, you know, I'd have to, I'll have to get back to you on that one. I'm not sure that, uh, that I would be capable in and of myself to do that. But God could do that, amen? And that love that motivated him to do that lives on the inside of you, amen? Uh, and that love is, uh, we read Galatians 5, 6, it says, faith works by love. So the love of God is what empowers your faith. And that probably explains why much of the church has such little faith, amen? Because they choose not to walk in love, amen? Now, the world is always trying to define what love should be, what what. what, what what the church should do as far as love is concerned. But we don't look to the world for that because the world wants us to accept all of their sin. They think that's love. Uh, well, that's not love at all, amen? Of course, sometimes the world thinks that love is shooting everybody and burying the rest, right? And, and telling everybody they're all going to die and go to hell. Well, you know, they are all going to die and go to hell without the Lord, but Jesus had to go into all the world and what? Preach, Preach the gospel, right? Uh, you know, it doesn't do a, a sinner any good to tell them they're all going to die and go to hell. That's not really the good news. Any good news about that? A- anybody ever said, been told they're going to die and go to hell? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I, I feel better because you told me that. No, Jesus didn't say go to all the world and tell, they're all, tell them all going to hell. Then the, now they are, right? We're not changing doctrine. They are all going to go to hell except the Lord Jesus. But that's not the good news. The good news is there's a way out. Now, if you're telling them they're going to hell in the context of that, that that's fine. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, they get on the street and they're just mad. You know, you ever seen these uh, corner Bible-thumping preachers? What are you mad about? I didn't do nothing to you. And and, uh, they should be happy. They should be out there telling, hey, all you all, God loves every one of you all. And he's got a place right now. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. There's a place, a street in heaven with your name on it, a a destination in heaven with your name on it. All you have to do is accept it, and it's yours. Now, if you don't accept it, it's not yours, you know. But, uh, I mean, that's good. Is that good news? He said, right now, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have days of heaven on the earth. My will uh, on earth as it is in heaven. That's my will. If you have days of heaven, you don't have to wait for heaven to get heaven. You can have heaven now. He said, that's my will. That's what he said. My will is, right? That's part of the Sermon on the Mount. We'll get to that in the next chapter. But that's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's good news. Why are we preaching that? I don't understand why we all preach. All a bunch of sinners, you know. They know they're sinners. You know, a bunch of heathens, you know. You, you, you hate God. They all know they hate God. You haven't told them anything that they don't know. And you haven't told them anything that encourages them to, to be like you. Come over here and be mad like me. Why, why would I want to do that? You know, I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but, you know, you can tell them if you if you accept the Lord Jesus, he will put supernatural, abundant, spectacular love inside your heart that is incapable of ever failing that can override any, and will empower your faith to move mountains. Now, that's, that, that, to me, that's good news. Amen? Amen. Now, they, now he's, Jesus is preaching this to these people. They, can't, they don't have the ability to do this. So he's telling them, here's what's coming. When you receive me later on, after I finish the work of the cross, you will have this ability in you. And the love of God, you know, the, the, uh, the, the way that I like to understand the love of God is the love of God always wants the best for you as defined by the Lord. Amen. You know, I was reading something the other day. I never heard of this. Anybody ever heard, you know, we all know the golden rule. That's actually in, in, in uh, chapter seven there. Uh, you know, do unto others as, as, as you would have them do unto you. 
That's the golden rule, right? They call it the golden rule. It's not a biblical phrase, but that's what people call it. Anybody ever heard of the platinum rule? No. There's a platinum rule, right? Because the, the world hates the golden rule because, you know, Jesus said it, right? And so they're going to try and improve because platinum is worth more than gold, right? So they're going to try and improve on the golden rule. And they said that the platinum rule is do unto others as they, as they want you to do to them. Well, they think that's better, right? Because in their minds, if, if I want you to do to me as I want you to do to me. And so if I'm in sin, I want you to accept my sin. If I'm doing wrong, I want you to approve of my wrong and tell me it's okay. You know, no matter what crazy thought I have, you've got to tell me that's fine. That's the platinum rule. That's stupid, right? That's insanity. Uh, and that is not God at all. They think that's better. That's worse. Because the saddest thing in the world is to leave people exactly the way they are. Leave them exactly, you know, you go meet them, you go be part of their life, and they're no different after you've been part of their life than before you were part of their life. That is sad. If people aren't any better because you've arrived in their life. You know, I want people coming to my life that I'm a better person because I've known them. You know, when we did the, the funeral yesterday for Tom Flight, I'm a better person because I've known Tom Flight. You know, he was a kind and, and generous person, a, a, a person of wisdom. And I'm a better person because I met, you know, I've been able to change and incorporate the things I've seen in his life into my life. I've changed because of, I've known him. Well, that's, that's the love of God. Amen. Uh, so, so the world, you know, and they think, they, they act like they're so sophisticated. They say, they say things like, well, the golden rule is the worst rule ever. It's like, that's so dumb, right? I mean, for thousands of years, the golden rule has helped humanity get, get along better, amen? But now that's not good enough. Why? Because they hate Jesus, right? And, and they think that we can't tell. Uh, it's, and so, so my love, the love of God, when I look at you, always wants the best for you, the way God defines it, amen? Not the way the world defines it, amen? The world is always telling the church, Top, stop talking and just uh, tell me I'm okay. No, I am not going to do that. You all are going to die and go to hell, you know, if you really want to know, but, you know, I'm going to go preach the gospel to you, but if you come into the church, I'm going to teach you what the Word says. <clears throat> and so the love of God will, will do that. And so you, you've got to find that place because are you willing to allow somebody to be blessed uh, the way that God wants them to be blessed? Do you desire for them to be blessed the way God wants them to be blessed? And that's what he's, in the context of what Jesus is talking about, he said, love your enemies, right? <clears throat> well, it's easy to love your friends because they're nice people, loving your enemies. See, all, all those people that are in the world that are making up uh, dumb things like the platinum rule, they are the enemies of God. But, you know, they're, they're not my enemies. Personally, I choose not to have any enemies. Uh, but <clears throat> I can love them. You know, and, and, and look, if, if, if I had a conversation with somebody that was professing the platinum rule, it was so, so dumb, you know, people just, and they think they're so sophisticated, right? They think they're so intelligent. Oh, we've come up with this new thing, right? It's so much better. There's nobody smarter than the Holy Ghost, number one, right? And so, uh, but they think there's, we're going to improve upon God. Yeah, right. How's that working out for you? But can, can you love your enemies? Do you have the capacity? Well, you do have the capacity, but are you willing to do it, right? Because love, uh, like anything of the Lord, it's always a choice. Faith in its essence is you choose to believe that what God has said is so. Amen? What God has said is so, whether you believe it or not, but for you to have faith, you have to read that word and say, I choose to believe that so. So in essence, all of faith comes down to a decision. <clears throat> do you choose to do that? Now, you can choose not to do it. People do it every day. Uh, Christians choose not to follow God's plan every day. Uh, every day, right? Uh, and, and so, 
Uh, you get to choose to, to have as much of God or as little of God as you want. And so uh, love is a choice. Do you choose to desire the best for everybody around you as, as God defines it? Well, when God defines it, he wants you to be fully healed, fully prosperous, fully of joy, full of a sound mind. Amen. He wants you to be full in every essence of your life, full of power, uh, full, full of, uh, of uh, knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. He wants you to be full to its fullest. Amen. Uh, that's, that's God's desire. Do you desire that for everybody around you? Do you desire that for your neighbor? Do you desire that? You know, do we desire that for the mailman who won't deliver our mail because of our dog? You know, uh, we're working on that one. But um, um, uh, can you bless those that curse you? Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Uh, do you do you have? First of all, you know, when when I read verses like that, uh, my first question is, Lord, do I have the capacity to do that? Do I have the ability in me to do that? And then biblically, I have to say the answer is yes. Uh, right. So so when people say I can't do that, that's not true. Right? It's not true that you as a child of God do not have the capacity to love your enemy. It's just not true. So so we need to start off on on correct doctrine. Amen. We don't need to to diminish the word of God and say, well, well you know, I can't do that because then that's saying that you have a right to not do what the word of God says. If you say you can't do it, then, then God has asked you to do something that's unjust because is he going to judge you to for following his word or not following his word? He is. But if he asks you to do something in his word that you were incapable of doing, that'd be unjust. Amen? It would be an unjust God. Is he an unjust God? He's not. So if he tells you to do, to do these things, do you have the capacity to do it? You do. So you have to, when you read the word of God, and I, and I do that, you know, and I do that just for my own, my own sake. I read that, Lord, can I do this? Do I have the ability to do it? Because when I ask the question, then the word of God will answer it. Yes, because the, word, the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts. Okay, well, that's only half the battle. The, I can do it. The second, the second half of the battle is, will I do it? So, see, I can't say, well, I can't do it. I have to be accurate and say, I don't want to do it. Well, I don't like that because that makes me look bad, right? If I say, I can't do it, it's not my fault. I mean, I, just, I can't do it. I want to do it. I just can't do it. So it's not my fault. See, that, that means there's no guilt. But if I say I can do it, but I just don't want to, now I'm guilty. And, you know, we don't really like that. So we try to, we, we have to mani- manipulate the word of God to make it sound like I, I can't do it. You know, Lord, I wanted to, I, I just couldn't do it. You think that'll, that'll hold water with the Lord? When you get up to heaven, you're standing before him. He goes, why didn't you do that? Well, Lord, I, there's no way I could do that. There's no, it's impossible. Is that right? Was, was there more word I needed to give you? Was there more spirit I needed to give you? Did I need to get you born again more than I got you born again? I mean, I mean, is there something missing? Did I, did I, Gabriel, did we, not, did we not give him the full package deal? Uh, no, Lord, you only gave him a half of the pack. Oh, okay, well, you only got halfway born again. Uh, but, I mean, will you, you think the Lord will be like, oh, well, for you it's okay. You think he'll do that? No, no, we, uh, we, we all got to answer to the Lord, amen, for these things. Uh, and so... So in all of the scriptures, you have to, you have to come to the conclusion, uh, Lord, can I do this? The answer is always yes. And then it falls down to you is, are you willing to do it? Uh, and of course, you know, if you want the blessing of the Lord, you know, you should be willing to do it. Amen. Um, and so, so let's turn over to, to 1 Corinthians 13. And, and well, just before there, the, the very last part of that, he says, be you therefore perfect, verse 48, as your father, which is in heaven is perfect. And so when he's telling us this in, there in Matthew 5, 48, to be perfect, you know, or to be mature like the Father in heaven is mature uh, and perfect, 
Uh, he's talking about that in the context of walking in love. You know, if you want to be the most like the Lord, be the most uh, loving person that there is. Walk more in love than anything else, amen? Walk more in love than the knowledge of the Word. You know, I know a lot of people who are so knowledgeable in a Word, but I don't like being around them. You ever met people like that? Because they don't walk in any love. They walk in pride and arrogance and condescension, you know, and they think they know more than everybody else, and, and they tell you they know more than everybody else. And then other people walk in love, you, you, you know, you wouldn't know anything about that. You just know that, hey, I, I really, this person's really a, a good person. Uh, and so if we want to be most like the Lord, the very most that you can be like the Lord is to walk in the most love as you possibly can. Amen. Uh, and so we already read or mentioned uh, Romans 5, 5 that says the, the love of God is shed abroad on our hearts. So, we, so when we got saved, God put his love in us. Now, it is a, it is a fruit of the Spirit. Which, so it means it can grow, but he started everybody off with, with a basic amount of love, enough love to cover most situations in your life, no doubt. Uh, but can you grow in that love? You can. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Now, and you grow in that love, like any fruits of the Spirit, is by following and yielding to the Word of God, following and yielding to the Spirit of God. Uh, have, uh, uh, the more you walk in love, the more that love will grow. Amen. And so I wanted to read a little bit of, of uh, or read 1 Corinthians 13, and, and I want to look at it from the Amplified uh, Version. And we had read verses 1, 2, and 3 uh, last week, and those verses tell us, uh, uh, and we're not going to go back and read them again, but verses 1, 2, and 3 say, here's what you are without love. And the, the, end, the end of that is you're basically of no value, right? Uh, in fact, uh, just... Uh, uh, what does uh, uh, verse 2 says uh, in the Amplified, but if I don't have love, I am nothing, a useless nobody. That's pretty harsh right there, right? Uh, but that's, you know, that's bringing out the understanding of what, uh, uh, when Paul said, I am nothing, that's what he means, right? I am nothing, I'm a useless nobody, without love, amen? Now, you do have love, but if you choose not to walk in love, uh, then how useful are you to the Lord? You're not of any use to the Lord at all, right? You're, you're useless, you're nothing, right? You're useless nobody. Now, you know, uh, can you go to heaven? Well, you still, you know, my guess you'll make it to heaven if you accept the Lord Jesus. Uh, the thing I don't understand is people accept the Lord Jesus, but they don't want to do what Jesus tells us to do. You know, I, you know, I, I never, you ever understood that? Why Christians, you know, uh, they, they get, they, you know, their hearts uh, yield to the Lord. They, they sense the Spirit of God. They sense the need for a Savior. They accept the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't want to do anything he says. But why did you want him to begin with? Right? You know, why did you want to get saved? You know, I want to do everything he tells me to do to the best of my ability. Uh, and so, so then he starts verses 4 through 8. And verses 4 through 8, uh, so verses 1, 2, and 3 says, here's what you are without love. Verses 4 through 8 uh, kind of goes back and forth between here's what love is and here's what love isn't. And so it's, it's, it's helpful to know what love is not. Because you can look at your own life and decide, okay, these are the things I'm doing. These are the things that I'm not doing. This thing that I'm doing is not love because it's on the list of things. And this thing that I am doing, it must be love because that's the thing that he said. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so in, verse, uh, in verse 4, it says uh, in the Amplified, it says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Actually, that's, uh, is that, that's not the Amplified there, is it? There. Um, uh, is that the Amplified? It doesn't say it's Amplified in my notes here. Um, you've got it on your phone there, right? I may, I may look at your, on your, thing, on your computer there. Uh, love endures long and is patient as kind. Love 
never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. So, uh, of course, there's a lot of things in that one, in that one uh, verse there. But where it says love, in all of these, where it says love, of course, the King James says agape, uh, or it says charity in the King James Version, but uh, it's always the agape love of God. So verse 4 says love endures long uh, and is patient and kind. So these are things that love does. Love has the ab- ability to do these things, right? Uh, and um, if you got the Amplified, let me see the Amplified there. So the, the Amplified, uh, verse 4 says, Love endures long, is patient, is kind. Love is never envious. Uh, well, that just says the same thing, right? Uh, we'll keep it there for just a minute. That's all right. Uh, and so uh, in, in this list of things, love endures long. So uh, how many, you know, when I was growing up, I can't tell you how many times I heard my, 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 most of my mother say, I've had it up to here, right? Well, what's that mean? That means endure, love endures up to here. Yes. Past here, you're in big trouble, right? Below here, you're fine. But up to here, you know, you're on the edge. And once you get past that, then you're in big trouble. So uh, we've taken that same words right into the church, right? I can't take it anymore, right? I can't do this anymore. Uh, and, and is that a true statement? Biblically, is it a true statement? It's not, biblically, it's not a true statement, right? Because love in, is, it endures long, right? Well, how long is long? It's as long as it needs to be. Uh, anytime we put a limit on that, then we're saying that love is, is limited. Love no longer has the capacity to, to deal with that certain thing. Uh, and, the not, and see, here's what love, so that love lives inside of you that has the ability to do that. If you'll yield to that, then how long can you endure? Till forever, right? However long, however long it needs to be endured for, that's how long you can endure. Well, the, is that a good thing? Because what happens a lot of times is we endure, but we, but we endure poorly. Yeah. Right? We, you know, we're mad, we're complaining yeah. about it, right. and we're, you know, we're resentful because we keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, we're enduring, but we're not really enduring in love, right? We're just putting up with it. We're, we're biting a nail, amen? Uh, we're holding our breath. And the nice thing about the love of God is when, when the love of God endures, you're not biting a nail. You know what I mean by that expression, right? People, you know, bite a nail to keep from saying things they ought not say, right? Or doing things they ought not do. And, you know, that's not the life that the Lord wants us to live as, as a church. The life that he wants to live in a church is when that thing comes our way that we need to endure, we just, we just endure. We're just waiting it out. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm waiting until I get direction or I'll continue praying for them until the circumstances change in their life or until they straighten up. You know, whatever the end result needs to be, I have the capacity to endure that uh, with the correct attitude. Amen? Amen? So, you know, a lot of times we're taught, well, endure by just, just if you've got to bite a nail, bite a nail. But the problem with that mentality is that, so that means on the inside of you, there are things that you want to say that you ought not say. Yeah. Things that you want to do that you ought not do that would violate the love of God. Well, Paul said to put off those things. And so if, if you really are yielding the love of God, you can endure love. And, and, and even though it's not a, a good situation, you can endure and just, Lord, I'm just waiting for, for it to change. I'm waiting for them to change or waiting for you to intervene or waiting for the, the, the circumstances to become different. Whatever the, the, the need is that you're enduring, uh, you have the capacity to, because enduring uh, implies a time period, right? Some length of time. But then he says endures long. So it's, it's a long period of time. It could be a long period of time. You ever had to endure long waiting for somebody to get better? You know, I, and I tell people all the time, look, uh, I'll just out, have to live, live, outlive all y'all until you straighten up. Yeah. 
You know, that's how long I'm willing to endure. I'll just, I'll just live forever if I have to. I know I can't, you know, technically I can't live forever on the earth. But, uh, but um, and then what I say is you can change now or you can change later because I'm going to endure. You can change right now because what a lot of times people, they try to wear you down. You ever had people try to wear you down? They're just mean to you, unkind to you, doing things to intentionally to offend you, doing things to intentionally to hurt your feelings. You know, and it's just constant. And, and, it, and it goes on for a long period of time. Uh, and so, uh, but love has the ability to endure that with, without just uh, circling the wagons and just closing up and just, you know, getting into a fetal position and just, you know, holding your breath until it's done. That's not the love of God. The love of God is still is big and open and can endure that situation and go, well, Lord, uh, it's just another day. You know, we'll just, we'll just keep on going. Amen. And, you know, I've endured people that are not doing right, that, that are doing things wrong and, and, and living in a way that, that is, is harmful to them. And um, I'll endure it. Uh, and I'll keep praying for them. Because he said, pray for, pray for your enemies, right? Well, you can surely, uh, sometimes you're praying for your loved ones. They're not enemies, but you're loved. They're, they're your loved ones, and you still have to endure their actions. Amen? And love gives you the capacity to do that without having to uh, resort back to the way the world does and just gripe and complain about all of their faults and failings. Amen? So I, I love that love endures long and is patient and kind. You know, uh, a lot of times people's long endurance does not result in patience and kindness, right? Well, when are you going to change, you big heathen? You know, uh, you know I'm, I'm sick and tired of you acting like way. That is neither patient nor kind, right? And, you know, kindness, of course, is one of the fruits of the Spirit as well. Kindness, you know, the church could use a little more kindness, amen, to each other. Just be kind towards each other. You know, it's a fruit of the Spirit. You know, kindness is, is just acknowledging that pe- there's value in people's life, that there are valuable people. I th- in my mind, every human being is a valuable person. Uh, it doesn't matter where they come from, you know. I mean, uh, I, I was telling Freddie, I visited a place the other day, and uh, I mean, it was rough looking people. I mean, rough, you know, I thought I was going to shoot my way in, stab my way out, you know. <laughs> rough looking people. But, you know, I, I was kind to all of them. You know, I walked in, they didn't even say hi or how. You know, it was a business. Hey, can I help you? Or, you know, uh, what, what do you need? You know, nothing. They looked at me like, you know, like I was dinner or something, you know. I mean, I don't know if they're sizing me up, you know. I think we could, you know. I mean, I don't know, you know. Just looked at me weird, you know. And, and so it was really odd. Uh, but I could still be kind to them, and I was. I was kind to, to all of those people and patient because, you know, we're, we were... T- we were working on whatever he was working on it, and other people were saying things that ought not be said in public, you know, and, and, and the lady helped me, you know, screamed at him, hey, yo, stop saying those things. <laughs> I look like a TV show, you know, and so, uh, but it didn't bother me a bit. It, you know, I'm patient and kind. Uh, if they want, want to act like heathens, I can be patient and kind. Uh, love is never is envious. The thing I love about the word is, the word oftentimes is very absolute love never you know we love to like to live like love most of the time but you know every now and then you know you gotta you gotta let the old man out right because he gets tired of being kept up uh love never is envy is envious nor boils over with jealousy now envy envy and jealousy are very similar right they have the they have the idea that what you have uh, you are unworthy to have what you have I'm jealous that you have a new car, or jealous that you have a new wife. Or, I mean, some people are jealous because uh, we have a baby. You know, you, you know, people just, if you have something, they, they want something like that, then they get mad at you because you've got it. And that's jealousy, right? 
you know, maybe because of your marriage or, uh, I mean, you know, I had somebody get mad at me one time. They said, you've got it so easy in your life. You've got a degree on the wall. You've got an engineering degree. And, you know, you don't have to be in faith. Well, what was that? That was jealousy because I have a degree on the wall. Does a degree mean anything? In eternity, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a piece of paper, right? I did the work to obtain the piece of paper, but, you know, you spend four years of your life in grueling hours and midnight, you know, all night long, you know, studying, and at the end, they give you paper. That's it. After all, you give you a piece of paper? Yeah, that's it. Uh, and so it's a pretty valuable piece of paper, but it's still just a piece of paper at the end of the day. Uh, and so... Um, <clears throat> so uh, jealousy says what you have uh, I don't think you're worthy of what you have and it can't be of anything right people are jealous of everything in the world right they're jealous of some pastors are jealous of other pastors because of the size of the church or whatever that they have uh, some people are jealous of people because of their marriages or because of their cars or because of their income or you just whatever it, you know jealousy has no limit people will be jealous and mad because you have something uh, and envy is exactly the same thing except envy adds to that and I think I should have that so jealousy and envy are both, both mad because you have something and envy adds to the fact that hey I, I think I'm more worthy of that thing than you are uh, I think I'm more worthy of your finances than you are I think I'm more worthy of your house than you are I should have your house I should have the, the same type of job that you have <clears throat> and, and uh, that's no place for love uh, and, and you know I have observed that many times the church is jealous of the world. Jealous got, the world's got all this money and these things, you know. And now I remember there was some talk show host said one time uh, uh, that, um, talking about places like Tennessee uh, and, and how that uh, uh, people like Tennessee, uh, they're not mad at people like him because uh, we want to be him because he eats all these fancy restaurants, he has all this uh, fancy shopping. And I'm thinking, you are the last human being I would ever want to be like. He's just a heathen, right? Just a heathen. Hates God, you know, hates, hates anything really related to God. Nothing in his life would I want. Would I, want. I don't care how much money he's got. Nothing, he's got nothing that I care about. Amen? Uh, because I will surely never be jealous of the, of the world. But oftentimes the, the church is jealous of the world. Because, well, they have a lot of freedom. They can just sin all they want to and... Well, I mean, you can sin all you want to, too. You know, a, I mean, nobody's, am I, am I keeping you from sinning? You know, sin, none of my business, do whatever you want to. Uh, now, you know, there's ramifications for your choices, of course. Uh, but um, uh, sometimes we look at the world and, well, you know, they can just do whatever and just not have any responsibilities. And, you know, we should never, ever be jealous of the world. The world has nothing for us. Amen. Everything they have will, will burn up in the end. Amen. And most of what we have on the earth will burn up in the end too, right? If it's all natural things. Uh, and so love is, is, is never envious. I never look at somebody and think they shouldn't have that, I should have that. Now, it, it's not that, there's nothing wrong with looking at somebody and seeing something in their life and go, Lord, I, you know, I want that. I want that attribute, that character. You know, sometimes even, you know, if they have a life of, uh, financial well-being, Lord, you know, they, they're really stable and I don't have any stability in my life. You know, Lord, can I have that? Nothing wrong with, with wanting to add to your life what other people have, but jealousy and envy is saying that whoever has it is unworthy of it. And, and I am more worthy of it than they are. Well, that's terrible, right? You know, who are you to judge them? Amen. Uh, you know, I'm not your judge. Uh, but if you do have something that's valuable in your life, 
I want to add that to my life. And, and, and I'm always want, looking to see what people have in their life. Uh, is never boastful nor vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. And all of these things are, are very closely related, boastful, vainglorious. Uh, you know, there, there is uh, an aspect in the church oftentimes of desiring glory unto ourselves. Uh, and, and the problem with that is, who is the only one in the entire universe worthy to be worshipped? Jesus is, amen? Are we worthy to be worshipped? No. Uh, do we sometimes think that we're worthy to be worshipped? You know, sometimes we do, right? Oh, look at all these things I've done. Is that supposed to impress me, right? Uh, that doesn't impress me, right? Uh, and um, uh, look, at all this, look at all these things I know. Is, is that supposed to impress me? God knows everything, amen? Uh, and yet, uh, sometimes, and, and it's not that uh, it's not boastful, vainglorious, or does not uh, display itself haughtily, it's not that uh, we don't ever bring attention to ourselves, right? Because sometimes the church says, don't ever bring attention to yourself. And yet Jesus told us, we read that earlier in Matthew chapter 5, let your, let your light so shine so that men shall see your good works. Well, then they're going to be seeing you, right? If they see your good works, they're going to see you, right? Because aren't you the one doing your works? Uh, and and when, in Acts chapter 3, when, when Peter and John were at the gate beautiful, what did they tell the man who was seeking for an alms? He said, look on us. Why did, you know, well, that sounds like being boastful or vainglorious. It's not. Because uh, I have no problem saying, hey, you got problems? You come talk to me. I, I can help you with any problem in your entire life. I have the word of God. Any problem can be solved. I have the spirit of God. Any problem can be resolved. No problem. Uh, that's, that's not, you know, and I say, I could help anybody. I don't say that. Boastful, I say that because the God in me can literally help anybody. Is there anything God can't do? Is there any problem God can't resolve? No problem God can't resolve. So I have no problem saying, you come talk to me, I, I'll help you out. And, and so uh, the, the, the problem with being boastful or vainglorious or displaying itself haughtily is the desire for mankind to receive glory and to receive worship. And you remember uh, what the devil tried to get Jesus to do in, in uh, Luke chapter 4 in one of the temptations, is if you'll worship me, I'll give you all, all this kingdom, right? Uh, I'll give you all this stuff. Come worship me. Why? Because the devil loves glory. In fact, that was really the root cause of his sin was he wanted to exalt himself above the throne of the Most High God. He, and why? Because he, he saw how all of creation worshiped God. He wanted that. You know, we have to remind ourselves we are made out of dirt and clay. That means we are unqualified to receive worship. And, if you'll, if you'll, and I, I can't tell you, I probably have said that to myself a thousand times. I'm made out of dirt and clay. I'm unworthy to be worshipped. Uh, because uh, even in the church, especially as a pastor, oftentimes people will try to worship the pastor. You ever seen that? Oftentimes they'll try to, oh, you're the best that there ever was. Well, you know, that would assume I know whoever has ever been, right? So how would I know that? that it surely can't be true. Uh, you're the best pastor in the whole world. Have you been to every church in the whole world? Then how could you make that, make that declaration? I mean, you know, I, uh, it's not that I have to say, well, I'm a terrible pastor. I'm, I'm, you know, I think I'm a pretty good pastor, but I'm not going to judge against somebody else, right, and say that. Uh, and so, uh, but I'm not going to receive any glory to me. Amen. Uh, you know, sometimes we have, we have uh, Pastor Appreciation Day. You know, sometimes people get up and say things. You know, we thank the pastor for doing these things. And that's fine, but if it gets to, to, to close to the edge, 
I'll just shut her down, you know. It's like, no, you know, and, uh, I, 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 sometimes people, out of their zeal, you know, and just trying to tell them how much they love the pastor, they'll say things, but they'll start crossing the line. Like one, one said, you know, the pastor leads us and guides us in all truth. They actually said those words. I thought, well, no, I don't. That's the job of the Holy Ghost, right? I do teach the word, but I don't lead you and guide you in all truth. That's the job of the Holy Ghost, amen? Uh, and so I think they were just kind of being overzealous there and, and, and things. So, uh, so you, have to, um, you have to decide in your own self, uh, are you ever trying to obtain glory, right? Uh, you know, at the end of the year, for a lot, of, a lot of companies, you've got to fill out, what did I do this year? And some people have a really hard time with that. Well, I don't want to bring any attention to myself. You don't bring any attention. You're just saying what you've done. You know, it's just an objective list of things you've accomplished during the year. Nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, uh, Where the problem is when you use that to say, you know, I'm I'm so worthy, right? I need to be glorified. And and I want to see glory and attention unto me as if I'm I'm worthy of this attention. And, And the problem with that mentality is it's hard to distinguish sometimes, right? It's hard to to find a balance of, well, people need to see the good things that I'm doing if it's necessary, right? There are other times when they don't need to see what you're doing. Uh, and so you have to find out what's your motivation. The question is, what's your motivation in doing these things? If your motivation is to receive glory, then you're in error. Uh, and, you know, uh, I often think about one of the stories that, that Brother Hagen tells, because to me it, it, it summarizes this kind of mentality right here uh, that, um, you know, a lot of times, if uh, God uses you in a special way, it, it's difficult for the people that are being used to not suddenly go, look how special I am. You know, there was a, a minister, uh, George Jeffries, uh, probably 100 years ago or so, uh, that was used in a, uh, in a mighty way to pray for people to uh, be healed of specifically rheumatoid arthritis uh, and just had a real strong anointing to pray for people with arthritis. He'd pray for them and people could hear all the joints cracking and popping as their bodies were put back in order. Spectacular healings, right, of this rheumatoid arthritis. And, and one day, this lady got healed, and she jumped up and said, you know, I just want to uh, thank Jesus, praise Jesus that I'm healed. And he said, don't you thank Jesus, I'm the one who healed you. Well, he didn't heal him, you know. I mean, he didn't heal her. Jesus in him healed her. But, but sometimes we think, look, look how special I am. God used me. He used a donkey. So, I mean, is, uh, is, that, is that supposed to be impressive? Did we ever read after that donkey going around, God used me. I'm the best donkey. Ain't no donkey like me. I'm the best donkey there ever was. Now, maybe you can go around saying that because, you know, that probably puts you in about the right place. You know, I'm the best donkey there ever was, right? That's not going to impress most people, right? Uh, and so, so uh, you know what he ended up dying from? Rheumatoid arthritis, right? Uh, uh, Lester Sarmar went to visit him when he was in his 80s. All, he was all twisted, couldn't even sit up. He was bent entirely over uh, in, the, in this wheelchair. And he said, uh, Lester said he had to get down on the ground and look up at his face, you know. But he said he just had the, the most uh, beautiful look on his face, even under all the, he said, what I did was wrong. And I know what I've done is wrong. And I, I will suffer. You know, I, I think the Lord could have, uh, could have having forgiveness for him and gotten him out of that, but I think he just kind of decided that, that uh, he had sinned and he doesn't want to be uh, healed from that. Uh, and he saw the error of his ways, which is good that he saw the error of his ways, uh, but 
that, you know, that glory, God will not share his glory. And men so oftentimes want to be glorified for anything they've done, right? You need to glorify me for what I've done. Now, you owe me because of what I've done. And see, that's vain, vain glory, glory that's of no value. Uh, and so the story with, with Brother Hagin, uh, he was talking about how one time he was praying for folks, and he said oil came up in his hands, just supernaturally, oil came up in his hands. And, um, uh, and so he said, you know what I did? He said, I just, I just put my hand in my pocket. He said, uh, uh, you're the first person I've ever told this. You know, and, of course, he told this publicly, but it had been decades since that happened, right? Decades. He just put his hand in his pocket. Why? He's not going to bring any attention to himself, right? See, when you're, when you're, vainglory is trying to bring attention to yourself, to you personally, right? Not to the God in you, but to you personally, as if you're worthy of, of glory, right? As if you're worthy to be worshipped. Uh, and, and, you know, and I've thought so much, and even today, I still think about that story. And I, and I asked the question, what would I have done? What would you have done? You know, would we have done this right here? Look at my hand. Look at the supernatural power of God coming out of my hand. Anybody wants part of this, part of this power of God? Come up here right now with supernatural oil. We're not getting out of a bottle from, from Jerusalem. This is supernatural from heaven. Oil in my, in my hand. God's using me specially right now, today only. Come up here and get part of that. But could you have said that without glory? without saying, look at me, right? Look at, look at how worthy I am. And, and he said, I didn't have any unction to do anything with it, so I just put it in my hand. Didn't tell anybody for decades about that. You know, I think, well, you know, more than likely, I would have written a book, The Oily Hand, The, the, the Oil Hand Ministry. Start a ministry, right? Create a uh, uh, 501c3 charitable organization. Give, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, lick a stamp with his hand and send it to you. It'll be God, right? He'll raise the dead, heal all your children, right? Uh, give you new dishes in your cupboards, whatever. I mean, it's amazing, you know, whatever. What, what would you have done? What would I have done? You know, uh, and, you know, the Lord desires to use us all that way. But uh, sometimes, you know, to keep our lives from being destroyed, he can't use us that way. You know, he's kind enough to do that. Now, normally he doesn't withhold that. If you go back and look at the, the healing evangelist, the, the uh, healing revival that started in 19... 47 went to 1958, there was spectacular healings went on. And yet spectacular failures, failures of men also occurred. People seeking glory to themselves. And, and, you know, and my take on that is the Lord had to dial that back to keep from destroying everybody because so many of those ministers destroyed their lives because God used them in a spectacular way, but then they used that to, to then uh, pocket the money, right? Uh, Jack Cole would have a spectacular healing you know, beyond imagination, healing, right? Somebody in a wheelchair that everybody knew in the whole city had been that way since, since forever and just supernaturally prayed for them and they, they get out and, and they had piles of, of canes and, and uh, wheelchairs and crutches on the stage, just piles and piles of these things where people were healed and he'd have a spectacular healing and he'd shut the service down and receive an offering. Because, you know, that's really, technically it's the best time to receive an offering. Everybody's super excited, Right. Somebody got healed, spectacular healing. Who won't, who won't give? Everybody give then, right? Twice as much as they were going to give a minute ago. Uh, and if you wait to the end of service, you know, half the people leave anyway, so you've missed out all that money. So let's stop it right now. Let's take, let's take up the money. Best time to take up money. Well, well that's vainglory. It's really, it's really selling the anointing of God. And it's really preying on the emotions of people. Amen? And, and love wouldn't do that. 
Love would, love would not do that. Love would not try to obtain glory. Because the Lord, the Lord wants to use the church to, the, to do these spectacular things. You know, we read that there in the Old Testament. In the plan of Jesus is the church is supposed to be full of power, spectacular power, supernatural, miracle-working power. That's how we're supposed to win the lost, get them into the church, right, so that the pastors can teach them. But, but that's the, the, the plan of God. And yet how many people just, the smallest thing happens and, oh, look how important I am. You just, you know, you only did, that's the first thing. You know, at least get two people healed and then get some glory, right? Uh, but uh, there's, there's a, a lot of character development that needs to happen in the church. And the love of God is a great way to develop your character. Because love is like, no, I can't do that. Uh, love is like, no, I can't do that. Only God is worthy to be worshipped. Amen? And so love is never these things. Love is never trying to obtain uh, attention, get attention to its own self. As if I'm worthy. As if I in myself cause you to be healed. And, and you know, I, I've known people who say things like, uh, 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 you don't have to go to church anywhere in, else you don't have to go to any, any other meetings or any other, read any other books. You get everything you need right here. It's just vainglory because, number one, that, that's not biblical, right? It's literally not biblical. The Bible says there are fivefold ministry gifts and not just the pastor. But things like that are said, and the people will believe that. And so uh, love is always uh, a great constraint. In fact, uh, uh, Paul says uh, in another verse, he says, love, love constrains us. What's that mean? It means it constrains your flesh. What's, it, mean, it has two meanings. One, it constrains your flesh from doing things like trying to get vainglory, but also directs you in a path that you're supposed to go, right? There's a constraint. You've got to go on this path. Don't go on that path. Don't go on that path. Go on this path. That's the, that's the love of God that will constrain you there. Uh, and so uh, love will do those things, right? Uh, it will not... Uh, I've got a, a note here about being boastful. A statement expressing excessive pride in oneself. I am so good I can hardly stand it, right? Haughtiness is blatant and dis, disdainful, uh, disdainfully proud, having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people of things perceived to be inferior. You know, in, in my line of work as a pastor of a Pentecostal church, even in the ministry, I'll get around people who are not Pentecostal, and, and there is an amazing amount of perception that I am an inferior person. They think that I'm inferior because I believe God, because I speak in tongues. They think I'm inferior because I believe in healing. Oh, you, you one of those that believe those things. And they, they say it with disdainfully. The church, to me, right? And, and uh, Chris and I are, invited, are, are uninvited from so many things in, in the ministry because, you know, just in, in, not in our circles, right, our circles of faith, but just in the community, you know, and things. Uh, a lot of people in the community don't like don't like our ministry because, you know, uh, they consider us to be inferior. I'm thinking, I'm inferior? I, I live in divine health every day, prosperity every day, fullness of joy every day, peace of mind every day. Uh, I'm waiting for the inferior part, right? What, what? Oh, you're unhappy. You're sick. You're depressed. You're full of, full of anxiety and that's better? That's, that's superior than the way that the Lord wants us to live? And, you know, you, are, you're, you go to that little storefront church. I <laughs> love that one. Like, that's inferior? The presence of God is here, and somehow this building, because of the, the facade on the building, 
makes the presence of God that's in this building inferior to your lack of presence of God wherever you're at in your big coliseum? I mean, it's just love has no business ever showing any acting ever superior to anybody else, ever. I am superior to nobody. I'm dirt. I'm clay. How can I be superior to anybody? Amen. And I think that about, I never think, oh, I'm, I'm so important. I'm so smart. I'm so educated. I, I do all these things. I'm so wonderful. You know, sometimes I can't even stand myself. Uh, and, and, you know, the, uh, love has never has a business of being that. Never. You should be the very best that you are. You should strive to be the very best, whatever you do, that you do at. But you should never think that you're superior because of that. Amen. Because uh, there's always uh, somebody smarter than you, always somebody better than you, and whatever you do, right? Um, and um, I'm going to get that back to you there. So, and then he goes on. So, so that was a lot of things, you know, that, that, that love was, right? Love is long-suffering. How, how long can you endure? Till forever, right? Love gives you the capacity to do that. It's patient and kind, right? Uh, and then he goes on in verse 5. Love is not conceited, arrogant and inflated with pride. Very similar to the last, in the last verse 4 there. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. You know, that right there uh, would help a lot of people, right? You know, a lot of people, uh, and I've always thought that was odd. You know, a lot of people kind of get to where uh, they just become a rude person. You know, it seems like the older they get, right, they just become rude and, and, and unbecoming and, and they'll say things like, that's just the way that I am. And I was telling Chris about this the other day. Uh, uh, you know, we, we should always be changing. Yeah. We should be better today than we were yesterday. Amen. We should plan on being better tomorrow than we, were t- than we are today. Amen. I mean, wh- what would it be if, you know, my, my grandson, he's five months old now. What if he said, of course, he can't talk yet, but what if he just, we just got up one time when mom's changing his diaper and said, Mom, I, I've, I've reached my peak. I'm never changing. That's it. You know, I've already, I've already gone through this process. You know, I've got one tooth, and um, that's it. Never, never moving past that. We'd think that'd be absurd, right? You mean you're going to be in diapers all your life and drink from a bottle? Yep. Life is good. Uh, and, 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 you know, we'd all think that's crazy. And yet as adults, nobody thinks it's crazy. We go, that's just the way that I am. Do you look like Jesus yet? Then you've got to change. I mean, surely, you know, the answer to that question is no. I mean, some people say, you look at Jesus, oh, yeah, exactly like Jesus. Really? Oh, yeah, every bit of him. Well, just by saying that, you obviously don't look like Jesus, you know. Uh, and yet, uh, we, we become just rude sometimes. Well, that's just the way that I am, you know. Uh, and, and you come, and, and do the, I mean, this is just a small thing, but I remember one time uh, we, went out to, uh, we went out to Taco Bell for lunch, some, me and some friends from church years ago, many years ago. And we go back, and they said, man, your breath really smells bad. <clears throat> And, um, well, what are you going to do, right? Uh, and, and, but, you know, he wouldn't let it go. Boy, your breath really does smell bad, you know. And I don't know what I ate that particular day because uh, I don't really like onions, you know. And, uh, but um, I said, well, do you have a breath mint? He said, well, no. I said, then why are you complaining about how my breath smells? You've got nothing to help me, you know. You're not really trying to help me. You're just trying to make me look bad, I guess. I don't know, right? What do you want me to do? I don't, you got a toothbrush I can borrow? Uh, and so, uh, surely he wouldn't share his toothbrush with me. Uh, but um, no, you, you know, it, it's never, uh, it's never becoming as a Christian to be, uh, be a rude person. And yet, some people, that's just the way that I am. No, that's the way your flesh is. Love is not that way. 
Love is never rude. Now, was the Lord, was the Lord ever frank with people? I mean, didn't he say you're whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones? Didn't he say you're, you are of your father the, the devil? I mean, it's not that you don't ever say anything that would be, you know, people might consider controversial, even offensive, but what's your motivation in that, right? If you motivate, well, that's just the way that I am, well, see, then you've given it up. My, my intention is un, until I breathe my very last breath, I will be better tomorrow than I am today. I, I will not stay the way that I am, and I'm sure not going to be rude and un, unbecomingly, right? Uh, unbecomingly, uh, you know, there was a, uh, when we were uh, at another church one time with my pastor, there'd be folks, uh, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians telling dirty jokes, right? Vulgar jokes, I don't, you know. I don't mean like pig fell on a mud puddle dirty. I mean like vulgar jokes, right, that you ought not say in any context, right? There's no, you know, I, I, we don't go home and close doors and I, I tell my wife dirty. I don't tell my wife dirty jokes, you know. I just, I just, it just, it, even saying those words just makes me feel uncomfortable, right? You know, just, I'm not comfortable even saying those types of things. Uh, and so, but they would say that in church. It's unbecoming. It's unbecoming of love. Amen. See, they thought they were being funny and trying to be, you know, really, well, we're really cutting edge, you know, we're really hip and cool, you know, we're not, we're not boring like the church. The Lord Jesus is not a boring person, amen? amen? He, he enjoys himself, he enjoys life, he enjoys uh, creation. You know, you can do that without being unbecoming. Well, what, what is unbecoming? We all know what it is. You know, would you say, would you say that to your mother? Well, that'd be unbecoming, right? Uh, if, you, if you can't say that to your mother, then, uh, and so... So, so that's what it's not, right? Uh, it continues on with things that love is not. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. I mean, you could just, you want to meddle, we can meddle with this one for a long time, right? Uh, it does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It is not self-seeking. I deserve this thing, right? Uh, <clears throat> the only thing I dislike about the Master's Donuts here in town is their box, because their box says, you deserve a donut, and see, I don't deserve anything, and in fact, I say just, just my own self, and you know, I, there's a lot of things I say as part of my confession that just, I say that to reinforce my character, so I say th- things lots of times like, I deserve nothing, if not for the grace of God, I would deserve hell, and you know, I don't deserve hell where I'm at right now because of, of the Lord Jesus, and so I don't say, you know, because people say, I deserve hell. I don't say things like that. I'd say, except for the grace of God, I would deserve hell. With the grace of God, uh, I am given heaven. I don't deserve heaven, but he gave it to me. So I'm not going to say, well, I'm not taking it because I'm more unworthy. That would be, that would be unkind to the Lord Jesus. And it would be a, a statement uh, that, would be, that would disregard what he's done for us. Amen. If he wants to give me heaven, Lord, I'll take it. You want to give it to him? I'll take it all, Lord. No, no problem. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it, but if you've given it, I'll take it. See, faith can do that, amen? Uh, but love, uh, uh, love will never say, I deserve something. You know, you owe me. It does not insist on its own rights or its own way. You know, there are a lot of times when people need things that you've got to help them, amen? And uh, if, if it's always, what about me? What about my needs? What my desires? See, love's never thinking about itself. The thing you've got to appreciate is, uh, you know, because some, some people have the impression that if I walk in love, then, then I'll never, uh, it, it, I'm only helping everybody else. I never get anything for myself. 
That's a really shallow way of, of, of understanding the Lord because didn't he say that if you're obedient that you shall eat the good of the land, right? If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So if, see, if you can choose to walk in love, there's no fear that God, because in fact, perfect love casts out fear. But see, I'm never afraid to give because I know the Lord's always going to take care of me. I'm never afraid to, to say, well, you know, someone needs something. And, you know, I mean, it's no, no big deal. Uh, I, I can't tell you the, the funerals we've gone to and the funerals we've done over the years. People uh, need you to do a funeral and you do, well, okay. And, and, you know, I don't go, well, you know, I had plans. You know, I had things to do. Yeah, see, that'd be, that'd be saying I've got rights and, you know, I've got to be uh, uh, insisting on my own rights my own way. Because nobody ever dies on schedule, right? Nobody ever dies like, hey, I'm planning. Well, I mean, few people do. People of faith oftentimes are saying, next Tuesday I'm leaving, right? But that's great because then you can make some plans. Okay, well, I'll, I'll leave my whole day open then uh, for you to die. But most people, they die at a very inconvenient time. Uh, and what about, you know, well, you know, I had plans. I can't travel to that, to that funeral. Well, then don't go, right? I mean, uh, but see, love, uh, love has the capacity to just drop all of, all of its own things. Because not that you're not doing things, but love has the capacity of saying, uh, you need help, no problem. All that can be, it'll all be there tomorrow. I'll come help right now. See, it doesn't insist on its own rights, its own ways, its own uh, intentions. Uh, it's not self-seeking. It's not always... Uh, so often in a church, there's so much fear that if I don't, if I don't uh, watch out for number one, then I'm not going to be taken care of. But if, if you'll really get to know the Lord well, you're never afraid to give. You're never afraid to help. You're never afraid to be a blessing to somebody because uh, the Lord will always provide. He said, if you give to the poor, you lend to God. Uh, given shall be given unto you. you know, and that's not just financial. That's in all areas of your life, right? If you give time, if you give uh, things, right, whatever it is, now, I love giving things to people. It's just whatever. You take it all, right? And so uh, you're not going to sell it? No. You know, even when we, we give out the, the, the bottles of water every spring at the, at the, at the uh, uh, parade there, you know, it's just a bottle of water. You can buy a case of it for nothing. And people are still amazed, even after all these years. You mean, you're not going to charge us for it at all? No, no, no charge? No. And then every now and then you get somebody who demands to pay us. Well, you're not paying me. You got to take this money. We're not taking your money. And, and you know, I tell all the people here, you better not receive any money because you know, then, then we can't be friends if you do that because it's not a time to receive money, amen? It's not self-seeking. You, know, you can just give and, and without any strings attached, amen? It's not always trying to, to uh, uh, pad its own pockets. And then, uh, I mean, you talk about... Uh, you talk about uh, uh, really meddling here is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Uh, you ever known touchy people? You know, we call them grumpy or, or grouchy people, but they're touchy, right? That means you, they, they can't, you can't ever joke with them. And, hey, how's it going? You know, uh, wow, you know, uh, looks like you slept in that shirt there. You know, I mean, you know, you, you can't ever joke with them because just, they're just real touchy, right? I know some things you ought not say that, that, uh, with the, because you shouldn't say things with the intention to harm people. But, you know, I like to joke around with people. And some people, you know, you can't joke around with them. Hey, how's it going, you know? Wow, you driving, you driving that car, huh? Wow, I can't believe you drove that car, you know? And then, what's wrong with that car? Well, no, I'm just, just, you know. I mean, I know some people love, you know, they love their Fords, right? You know, we will, they'll remain un, unnamed, you know? But, uh, uh, and I'll give them a hard time. Yeah, I, I bought a Chevy just because you drive a Ford, you know? Uh, and, but it's okay, right? Because, you know, you can, some people, you can cut up with them. But then some people, you know, you can... Uh, 
I mean, even in, even in, in godly things, you know, you try to cut up with people and they're just, they're just so touchy about things. Uh, and, and, you know, touchy is, is having a sharp emotional response to your, in, your involvement with them, right? And so if you do anything and they come back, that's just touchy. And, and uh, love is never touchy. And, and I've had a lot of people come and say things with the intention of even inflicting offense towards me. I'm not going to be touchy about it. You want to offend me? I'm, I choose not to be offended. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, there's one time when, when um, I'd gone up to see a, a, uh, the Lord told me to go up and visit his pastor's church on a Sunday night. We didn't have service at that time in the, in the afternoons. But, uh, so I drove up there. It was like a four-hour drive, five-hour drive, and went to the service. And um, actually, I'm getting there just a little bit late, uh, so the service already started. But he saw me in the, in the church, and he recognized me, you know. But after the, after the service is over, he just left. He didn't even greet me, you know, because, I mean, I'm worthy to be greeted, right? He should have come up there and bowed down to me and worshiped me or something, tell me how wonderful I was to, to do all these things. And, uh, and uh, he didn't. He just left, just left the stage and went straight to his office. And didn't, Well, I didn't go up there for, to be patted on the back or to be hugged on. Or, I just went up there because the Lord said to go up there. And so I just left, you know, nothing else to do. I just left. You know, I wasn't mad just left, and then about 30 minutes into the drive, he called me and said, hey, uh, 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 I hope I didn't offend you. I had some things to take care of. Well, how many people would have been touchy about that? Well, you know, I drove by the way. He should have at least gone up and shook my hand, you know. How many people would be touchy about that? Well, he doesn't owe me anything. See, love is not touchy. And, and now, the other thing, too, uh, and I, I know we've got to go, love doesn't, doesn't make excuse either. Love doesn't say, well, maybe he's busy. I don't have to, it doesn't matter. So I don't have to have an excuse, because what if he's not busy? What if he just didn't want to see me? What if he just didn't want to come up and say hi to me? I mean, that could have been the case. Would I, then it's okay to be offended for that. Well, no, it's not okay to be offended either way. It's not okay to be touchy either way. So the, the reason doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter why he didn't come say hi to me. He didn't say hi to me. I'll leave it at that. I don't have to know why. I don't have to, I don't have to make an excuse for it. Well, maybe he's tired. Maybe he didn't see me. Love doesn't make excuses either. In fact, what, what love does, the more you walk in love, the more clearly you see everything. The more clearly you see the motives of people's hearts, the more clearly you see your own motives, the more clearly you see everything. And even if, even if I saw that he looked at me and goes, you know, you know made some, some notion that he definitely wasn't going to come back to see me on purpose, love would have been like, okay, fine. I can leave, you know, no problem. It's okay. You know, I have to be offended about it. And so uh, a lot of times people will make excuses. Well, they're tired or, well, you don't know what they've been through. And, you know, unless you've walked a mile in their shoes, you know, I don't have to make an excuse. Uh, it just, if you're a mean person, well, you're a mean person. I don't, I don't have to know why. I don't know why your mother treated you bad. I don't care. If you're mean, you're mean. It, you know, that's just for you to deal with. And no excuse is, is, makes it okay. Amen. So I don't try to excuse people's actions. I just, I just leave it exactly the way, way it is. If, you know, if, if he didn't come back and say hi to me, then he didn't come back to say hi to me. Uh, I don't take offense that maybe he's snubbing me. Maybe he thinks he's better than me. Maybe, maybe he didn't see me. Love is not, it's not necessary for love to do that. Amen. I just love can just, uh, I came to, to come to the service. I'm leaving after I've done my job. Uh, and, and, and that was it. There was no offense. I wasn't upset about it. Uh, and so... Uh, love is not touchy. Uh, uh, and that go, kind of goes back to love not demanding its own way. But there's a lot of touchy Christians. You know, just, 
uh, you know, a lot of Christians you get around, and, and, and um, <clears throat> I know uh, one, one fellow, I said, hey, did you watch the game on Sunday? You know, we saw him on Monday the next day. Hey, did you watch the game on Monday? Well, I don't have a TV in my house. You know, I don't watch TV. It's a devil, it's devil TV, right? I mean, I don't know that these football players are worshiping the devil on the football field. They don't actually get down and worship that pigskin. They're just, you know, it's just entertainment, right? It's not, well, I don't watch football. Fine, I don't care. You know, it just doesn't matter. It's not an important thing, you know, and, and I'm not even a big football player. A football uh, watcher, just on occasion, I'll watch a game and, uh, and to relax, and, and um, that's it. Uh, and so, but he was so touchy about it. Why are you touching? I'm just, it's just, a, it's not a moral question. It's not an ethical question if you watch the game or not. Uh, and so, you know, the, the touchiness comes about because of the differences in our lives. If you're different than me, I'm touchy about that. And if you, if you like to joke around, I don't like to joke around, I'm touchy about that. If you, if you, if you don't like to joke around, and, and, and you know, sometimes uh, people who like to joke around get touchy because other people don't. I'm just not going to be touchy about it. Uh, if you're different than me, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, and, if, and if you don't like something I'm doing or something I'm saying, that's uh, it's not on me, right? I'll just leave it alone. And so love is just not going to be touchy about everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's helpful in the marriage as well, right? Uh, you know, um, sometimes I will leave a pair of socks on the floor or something, you know, and if my wife gets all, you know, if she was touchy, she'd get all upset about it. And, um, you know, uh, of course, uh, after a while, we get to grow up, all of us, right? Uh, and, uh, and I don't do it really with the intention of, okay, I'm going to do this to you know, really upset her. Uh, and so um, she's not touchy about it. I'm not, of course, I'm not touchy about it. I don't really care. It's just, you know, uh, they just get taken off wherever they get taken off. And that's the last place they go, right? Uh, and so, so touchiness, you know, uh, that's for you to decide. If somebody ha- can't come up to you and just joke around with you or ask you a question or, you know, whatever it is, if you can't answer them without a, a sharp response, then you might wonder how touchy you are. Amen? Uh, and, uh, and so love is not that way. It's not fretful or resentful. <clears throat> and it's not, right? It isn't. So being fretful is worrying, right? Being anxious for things. And, of course, if you know that you have the answer, is there ever a reason to ever be anxious? If you know that God is your answer for everything, is there ever a reason to ever be anxious? If you, God's always going to provide, why should you ever be anxious or, or fretful about something? Uh, there's never a reason for it to ever be fretful if God really is your, uh, uh, is your answer. And, and I, uh, I'm going to finish up with the last one here about being resentful. Uh, being resentful, I wrote the definition down here. It says, a feeling of indignant displeasure or persistent ill will at something regarded as a wrong injury or, or insult. Uh, and so, um, resent, resentment is, is kind of like a cancer. You know, resentment is oftentimes will, will breed over a long period of time as, you're, as you have some kind of relationship. With. Oftentimes, you see this in marriages, but you see this in friendships. You see this in churches when people attend a church for a long time. They start getting resentful about certain things they don't like, right? And so, resentment is a feeling of indig- indignant displeasure or persistent ill will as something regarded as a wrong insult or injury. And so when you decide that that thing is wrong and somebody won't change, that resentment starts building up. And resentment really in its essence is just simply unforgiveness, right? But, But it's slow, right? It's slow and it's usually small things 
that, that you think are right, but the other person is not doing them. And, and, so, and since they won't change, that resentment starts filling up. And I see that with, uh, in marriages a lot of times when, you know, well, they just won't do this, you know. Well, uh, are you their God? You know, um, see, uh, and the thing about resentment, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're actually correct or not correct in them being right or wrong. Maybe they are wrong in doing that. Maybe what they are doing is wrong. But for you to, to harbor ill will towards them over a long period of time because they're doing that is not love. Uh, resentment's got nothing to do with what they're doing is actually right or wrong. Resentment is you having a collection of ill will because of somebody doing something wrong, and you won't resolve that in your heart. And now, see, love won't make an ex- uh, love doesn't make an excuse. Well, they just they just don't know, or they're tired, or whatever. Love just says it doesn't matter. I'm not their God, and and uh, and they don't answer to me. Even my spouse, um, I just leave it alone. What if they won't do that? doesn't matter you know uh, and, and you know I'm sure if you asked if you sat me and Chris down in two separate rooms what are things that you observe that that uh, that he just won't ever do I'm sure she could give you a list of things if you ask me you know what are things that, that you observe that she just won't do I'm sure I could give you a list of things but see uh, we can choose not to be resentful about it it doesn't it doesn't matter that they're there it matters what what my reaction to those things are see love is not going to build up that resentment we can observe that, yeah, it'd be nice if they do that. And, and, and you know, uh, hopefully as, as, as adults, we can have a conversation if it becomes important. But, you know, the things that they're not important, right? Well, they won't ever do that. Is that important in the great scheme of things? Is that really important that you, can make, you really need to force this issue? So resentment is, is very similar to uh, unforgiveness, that you're going to harbor this ill will towards somebody because of some slight that they won't change or they won't do. Well, they just should know. Maybe they should know. What's that got to do with anything? See, so love is always looking at you. Are you, are you going to build up that resentment? And like I said, I've seen it in marriages, and I see it in churches too. Well, they just want, you know, they, they keep playing that same song over and over again. You love the church for years, been the church, same church for years, but, you know, they come, some, oh, I don't like that song. Oh, they go playing that song again. Oh, again, if they do it one more time, I'm out of here, and then they, go, then they leave. And, and I'm always amazed at people who just leave, and it's like, you left for that? For that's the reason you left, right? For that reason? I mean, there's a lot of reasons you can leave a church, you know, but really, what's the only reason you should ever leave a church? The Spirit of God says, time to go. The Spirit of God says, time to go. Well, then that's easy, right? Uh, and, and look, I, 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 have a, I could have a long list of resentment when I was with my pastor. I mean, all kinds of things, right? But at the end of the day, the Lord called me to go to that church. So to me, it just didn't matter what they did or said. People say, how'd you stay at that church all that time? Because the Lord said to go to that church. That was, that was it. There was, there was no, you know, it's the best church or it had the best music or it had the best, you know, chairs. Or it was, none of those things were relevant. The only thing that was relevant was, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to go to that church. Okay. Well, how long do you want me to go to that church? Till I tell you not to go to that church. And someday he told us to leave, right? But it was after many years. Uh, it, we were there over 20 years and, and stayed there till after the pastor passed away. Uh, so resentment will build up all this perceived, and that sometimes they're real, slights that somebody else is doing. And, and, and it's, it's not like this huge thing that requires major forgiveness. It's these little, these little uh, fox that spoil the vine, right? Little things, right? Over a long period of time. And, and really, what I do, 
just on my, on my, own, my own self, if, if those things are rising up, I will choose to walk in forgiveness. I will say, Lord, I choose to forgive that thing uh, because I'm not going to allow that to be a, a point that it will rise up to the point of being full unforgiveness because that's what it's going to lead to. Resentment always leads to full-blown unforgiveness. Uh, but you've got to uh, love. Say, see, love says, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking a catalog of their failings. And people would do well if they would do that in church. You know, they wouldn't be so flaky in church, right? They wouldn't leave churches, you know, how many churches...